We're back. For episode 29. Episode 29. And we hope that everyone will go vegan in time. That's the goal, anyway. That's the goal. Did that work for you? Well, I'm and kind of a little bit more... I feel like it's more urgent than that. All right. For me, anyway. No, I agree. It is dire. With the Go olive. vegan. It's about time. Yeah, episode 29. Go vegan. It's about time. Damn it. It's... It's fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like how I feel. Well, we need to be honest with our feelings, don't we? Yeah, we do. You're listening to Midwest Vegan Radio. We're sharing all our secrets. <laughs> We're sharing all of our secrets just for you special listeners. With your hosts, Dallas. That sounds so good. And Ryan. Pass the news. All right. We're so, here again. And and again. And again and again and again. And I'm Ryan. What? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Why? Okay. I'm... I'm Dallas, and I'm defeated. Elliot's over there. Hello. And today, this time, or t- maybe it's night, whenever you're listening to us. It could be nighttime. Whatever time it is, you will get to hear also from Ed Coffin, whom I'm excited to have as a guest on, well, it's not just my podcast. I'm but- not excited about Ed at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but Only Dallas and Elliot are I am particularly excited because I was a guest on Ed's podcast a long time ago. What are you doing, Elliot? Elliot's popping a beer, beer can. Over there. Should have done that a couple minutes ago. You're the guy in charge, you know. That's part of when the you show. can do that. Yeah. We need to have that as part of our show. That's how we make it <laughs> candid. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so I was a guest on Ed's podcast a couple, I don't know, maybe two years ago now. I feel like it was. Was it? Yeah, I think it was about two years yeah, ago. Yeah, about two years ago. Um, and his podcast is called Eating Consciously, and you can find that on iTunes. Can you also listen? I assume you have a website, and you can also listen on there? Uh, yes, it's eatingconsciouslypodcast.blogspot.com. Okay, and you've got like a feed burner so that people can listen yep. direct from your website. Yep. Perfect. Cool. My well, tongue wasn't working for a second. That's okay, and I don't understand. I just, somebody sends me a, li- a link, and I click on it. And, and I look for the little arrow, and I click on that, and then I can hear a podcast. I don't know about feed burners and blog spots. <laughs> Our website is on a blog spot, Dallas. I know. <sighs> uh, there's a thing I saw recently, a picture of an of an elderly professor at a college, and um, the the guy said, today my professor declared that he did not know the difference between a tweet and a twat. <laughs> I'm like, well, I do know that much, so I guess I'm not totally out of it. But anyway, so, so iTunes or the internet, however you get to it, go check out Eating Consciously. So why are you excited to have Ed on today? Aside from the fact that it's just a reversal of yes. history? Um, well, because I like Ed. <laughs> <laughs> One. And two, I mean, two. um, I thought maybe there was something specific. There is something specific. I'm getting there. Wow, you're so slow to get to your point. So two is that um, Ed is an abolitionist. Of course, our guests usually are. Yeah, but he's a really, really cool one. (laughs) And he um, 
has been working on getting the word out about the humane farming myth in Excellent. various ways. And recently, and he'll tell us all about this, but... If we I let was, him talk. If we ever let him talk. We don't like to let our guests talk. Just, it usually takes a while for us to I get know. there. Eventually, you'll get to talk. We could have just recorded this whole thing before we even Skyped you. I Well, we're never that organized. So... In any event, um, and kids, don't worry. We only bicker because we love each other. You don't have to worry about us getting divorced. Now you're preventing me from getting to my point, Ryan. Of course. So always. Okay. Ed uh, has been doing outreach, and particularly outside of like Whole Foods or natural food stores, to try to get to people who believe that they're doing a really good thing by buying cage-free eggs or. I don't know, goat milk or something that's supposed to be more humane. Um, and they, you know, these people are the people that go to the special store and they look for the special label and they play, you know, they pay three times as much for these products because they think that that's how you help animals. And Ed helps them. Um, he helps them out <laughs> to figure out, you know, if you really are somebody that wants to help animals, which is awesome, then here's how you can do that. And that's by going vegan. Stop and it's not fucking eating them. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So, in any event, we're going to hear from Ed because um, well, he's got... you just told us everything about Ed, we can just say goodbye to no, him now. he's got a really incredible story about this. <laughs> right. So, I'm going to... Let's just hear about Ed and his uh, scandalous arrest. Okay. Are you ready, Ed? <laughs> go! I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Ready, set, so, go. So, tell us your story about what happened. Yeah, you were arrested. Tell us all about that. Um... Yes. So the arrest actually happened a little over two years ago um, in December of 2009. And basically, this was the first um, demonstration that I ever organized myself. And wow. of course, the only one I've ever gotten arrested at. Of course. <laughs> oh, well, so, <laughs> baptism um, by fire, I guess. <laughs> so and where are you? We didn't mention that. Where are you, you currently located? Philadelphia. Okay. And that's where the, where this all happened? Yes. Um, so I decided I was going to organize a humane myth demonstration, basically informing, as you said, the shoppers of Whole Foods that if they want to, you know, if they really want to help animals, instead of spending three times the amount of money on their groceries they could just go vegan and not spend any money and, you know, cause an immediate change. I love, um, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you already. But um, I, Ryan and I did a um, training yesterday about how to talk, talk about veganism through the Animal Rights Coalition. And one of the questions that came up was about, oh, I used to be vegan. And um, <laughs> I used to be vegan. And how do you respond to that? And our friend Megan said... Oh, we'll take you back. There's no joiner's fee. <laughs> There's no joiner's fee. You don't have to There's reapply. No, no no application process, no registration. You can just do it, <laughs> which I think is really, it doesn't cost anything. You could just go vegan. Okay. Sorry. I won't interrupt you again. I interrupt more than Dallas, but Dallas does interrupt as well. So sorry. We'll try not to. That's just I can't I'm... even say we won't try to interrupt you because we are going to constantly interrupt you. Anyway, so you, that's what you tell people. Go ahead. 
And actually, so there are two Whole Foods stores in Philadelphia. So I actually organized two groups of people to be out front of both Whole Foods stores at the same time on the same day. Nice. Um, so I went down to the store that I was um, going to be demonstrating at, and it was just myself and one other activist because you know how few people show up to mm-hmm. <laughs> demonstrations. And I started setting up signs out front of Whole Foods. I made a bunch of signs. Um, some of them said things like Whole Facade or <laughs> Humane Slaughter is an Oxymoron. And um, I started handing out leaflets. And I guess I'd been there for maybe 15 minutes. And the one of the managers of the store came out and he said, you know, Whole Foods has um, a no solicitation policy. You can't hand out your literature here. Well, this is in Center City, Philadelphia. I was standing on a public sidewalk, so I just informed him that maybe if I was inside of his store handing out the flyers, mm-hmm. then he could say that. But I was on a public sidewalk, and just because it's on in front of Whole Foods doesn't mean that Whole Foods owns the sidewalk. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he didn't like that answer, and he called the police. So there just so happens to be a police station about... 40 feet from the doors of Whole Foods. Oh, wow. (laughs) So a police officer had come um, within about 15 seconds, and (laughs) he informed me that I needed to um, stop handing out the flyers. And actually, you can watch the video of this argument going down um, on my YouTube. I actually watched the video of it. And he's telling myself and another activist that we can't hand out the flyers. And I'm basically asking him, well, where is the code that cites that? What, like, where are you getting this from? And he said, because well, I'm the boss. <laughs> right. And he said, well, if you want to take a walk with me to the police station, I'll show you what it says in the book. And I said, I don't have to take a walk anywhere. I know what the Constitution says. And I <laughs> actually do know that in Philadelphia, you don't need a permit unless there's more than 75 people. Um, so this argument went, went on for about, you know, five or ten minutes. And then I pretty much just made the decision that instead of, you know, he was accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish was to get me to not hand out flyers because here I am standing here arguing with him. Yeah. So I basically decided to just completely ignore him and continue to hand out flyers as if he wasn't there. Um, so I started handing out the flyers again. And um, before I knew it, he had... Um, grabbed me from behind, pushed me up against the wall, put my arms behind my back, took oh my the flyers out of my hand, and handcuffed me. <laughs> and um, and your, he, the other person with you is videotaping everything? Actually, she did. Um, at, right before I got arrested, the video cut out because I was oh. recording from my phone and she was recording from hers. Well, apparently her video somehow got deleted, so we oh. only have my video, which obviously got shut off right before the arrest. Mm-hmm. Um so I was taken to the police station, and I he was writing up the citation for me, and I said, well, can you bring me that, that law now? Because I want to look at it and see what it says. And the citation he was filling out for me was a hand-billing citation, and it had an exclusion for non-commercial literature. And I said, look, this excludes non-commercial literature, which is what I was handing out. Mm-hmm. So he got all mad and took it away from me, <laughs> ripped up the citation, went back to his desk and wrote me a different citation for conducting a parade or assembly without a permit, which it was just myself and one other person. So I'm not sure how that constituted a um, parade. <laughs> yeah, but, were you waving? <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't even have were like you- a 
float or anything. Th- not, not even a float. <laughs> you weren't throwing candy at people? <laughs> well, no. and I, I thought you said that um, it had to be 75 people or more. Didn't you say that it had to be 75 people for an assembly? In the city of Philadelphia, if you have 75 or more people, you need to obtain a permit from the city okay. um, to conduct an event. Okay. Yep. So um, so at that point, um, I was actually able to send out a tweet from my cell phone before the officer had taken it after he accused me of recording him. Um which he said was a violation of the wiretap law in Pennsylvania, but actually the wiretap law does not apply to officers who are on duty in uniform. So I could have been videotaping him and it wouldn't have been against the law. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, I sent out a tweet and luckily I have some great friends who are lawyers, some of whom know people at the ACLU. And I, within 20 minutes of me getting arrested, the ACLU already said they would rese- represent me in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that because I didn't have my cell phone, and I didn't get it back until the end of the whole ordeal. So they take me from the police station. They search through my stuff. They put me in the back of a police car. They drive me to another police station, at which point one of the officers gets out of the car to go inside to ask the sergeant what they're supposed to do with me. <laughs> They brought me to a different police station. Not 40 feet away. <laughs> Not 40 feet away. And they were trying to figure out what to do with me. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up, they cop got back in the car and they drove me to a community court. Um, and they took me inside. They took all my belongings and they told me to sit in a holding cell. Um, they didn't tell me why I was sitting there, how long I was going to be sitting there. But I sat in a holding cell for about an hour Um, At which point some man in a suit walked in and said, the judge is ready to see you. And I was like, judge, what? Like, what is happening? So he walks me like about 20 feet down a hallway. And lo and behold, it's like a Saturday afternoon. But I walk into like a courtroom and there's a judge and there's a jury and like they- A jury? And a very small jury, but yes, there was. Oh my God. They had it all set up already. And I get in, I get in front of the judge, and um, I mean, I was just like astounded. I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. And I uh, go in front of the judge, and she says, uh, "This is what your citation says. Do you plead guilty or not guilty?" I said, "I'd like to speak to my lawyer first. And she said, "You have a lawyer." And I <laughs> said, "Yeah, I do." And her name is, you know, I gave her name. And the judge said, well, I never heard of her before. Well, because she knows every lawyer. Every lawyer. She got mad and she she, finally she was like, fine, I'm going to reschedule you. And she rescheduled my court hearing. Um, And then I was finally released. And I, I just they just released me out on the street, which was like. 25 blocks away from where I was picked up and I just had to like walk back to my house. Did they give Uh, you your stuff back? They did give me my stuff back. So um, fast forward about a month to my new trial and the ACLU is now involved. We go to the court and... What does ACLU stand for? The American Civil Liberties Union. Okay. And the um, ACLU attorney who went with me in court she you know we got to court and they couldn't find my name on the roster for the court date well it turns out the city decided to withdraw the citation as if it had never existed Mm -hmm. um i guess once they found out the aclu was involved they got scared they realized they did something wrong so they withdrew it um 
So the reason it's been two years since my arrest and nothing has really happened um, is just because you have, from the time you're arrested, you have a statute of limitations of two years to actually file something further. And the ACLU has just been so busy working on other things, um, actually other cases involving me, that (laughs) they kind of put this on the back burner. Um, So, you know, when it was coming up to the two years mark, which was just this past December of 2011, they basically sent a letter to the city saying, you know, you withdrew the citation, but you can't withdraw the fact that you illegally arrested someone. So we want to go to trial. Um, And, you know, what we basically wanted out of going to trial was to get First Amendment training for police officers Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia Unfortunately, in Philadelphia, they do not provide First Amendment training to police officers. They only provide it to civil affairs officers. Yet, we don't need to call civil affairs unless it's a group of 75 people or more. So if you're just one person, you have to deal with the regular police. And that's where this whole issue comes into play. Um, So the ACLU sent them a letter saying we would go to trial if we had to. But they wanted the city to settle with us out of court and just say, okay, um, what we're going to do is we're going to agree to implement this First Amendment training class to police officers. The ACLU thought that they would agree to that. Well, we got a response back for the letter, and they told us they didn't want to give First Amendment training to police officers. Um, they didn't think there was a problem with the current training that they received. Which is and none. That, <laughs> right. <laughs> and that instead of going to trial... They basically wanted uh, me and the ACLU to go away, and they would give me $15,000 to do that. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I spoke with the ACLU at length about this. Um, Obviously, we had to make a decision. Do we take the money or do we take them to court? Um, What we deduced was that if we went to court, we probably weren't going to get the court to rule in our favor and make them implement the training. And they w- wouldn't have to pay as much money. If we went to court, we would be lucky to have gotten maybe $1,000 for this whole situation. Um, so we b- pretty much felt like it was the best option was to take their $15,000 and at least, you know, they had to pay $15,000 for doing something wrong and maybe mm-hmm. it'll make them think twice about doing it again. Um, and the ACLU has numerous other cases similar to mine in Philadelphia that they're going to continue to pursue th- through the legal system. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll at, at some point they'll get some First Amendment training. But um, at this point, they're just paying me $15,000 to ignore the problem. So we'll <laughs> see how many, how many people they have to pay $15,000 to before they're going to actually put their... <laughs> Go implement this training. Right. Wow. Exactly. Is that do you guys know if that's common in other states where they police officers don't have that first amendment training? Is that common? Um you, I don't know about other states um outside of like Pennsylvania and New Jersey, but I feel like in general, um especially outside of the city in like the suburbs that police officers because they don't deal with protests on a regular basis, they are generally um uninformed okay. <laughs> of the first amendment. Yeah. That's something. That's an amazing story. Now I'm excited to have you on. Well, <laughs> see, I told you. I told you. Well, I think that it's really interesting. Um, I mean, it's good that you got, I mean, it's terrible that you were arrested at all and that this is a pain in the butt. However, it does certainly draw attention to, I don't know, I think it makes the protester a little bit more sympathetic figure mm-hmm. in general. Um, because, I mean, 
Well, I think that kind of relates so to off- Will Potter's book where it was people that can see the unfair treatment of people, even if they're not vegan, they can see how people are being untreated or treated unfairly. I think everybody can agree with that, you know, someone who's just standing up for something is getting arrested pointlessly and unfairly. Everybody can get behind that. Well, I don't think everybody can get behind. I mean, you're saying that that makes them sympathetic. Yes, it does make them sympathize with that. Yeah, they can sympathize with that. I think as somebody who's, um, because I organize demos and have for a long time, and um, I think that it's a really, it's kind. I mean, it's frustrating, but that there's even a need to do this. But I like to give the law enforcement a heads up that we're going to be somewhere and just let them know. Like we did one um, through the Animal Rights Coalition at the University of Minnesota and there was some confusion about the sidewalks there. Not, I mean, like who was the appropriate person to be in touch with, which is always frustrating because it's like, you guys, really, like somebody has to, at some point, the buck has to stop and somebody has to be responsible here, like to, you know, be accountable. Like who's going to be my contact? Um, but yeah, I think it's just to kind of clear things ahead of time, even though that that's frustrating because, I mean, lots of lots of activists don't consider law enforcement to be their friends precisely for this reason, you know, mm-hmm. so... Well, the interesting thing is I notified civil affairs um, on the day I was arrested that I was going to be there just as a courtesy, even though I didn't have as much as 75 people. And they actually weren't there at the time a regular police officer arrested me. And um, I've actually stopped notifying civil affairs or the police that I'm doing any activities because, I mean, I feel like I don't have to. Well, you Um, shouldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, they have, I don't know how you guys deal with it there, but in Philadelphia, they started going on our meetups and our Facebooks and finding out when we were at events and showing up to them. And also the city... Undercover uh, or just as police? As police. Um, But they also, the Pennsylvania um, compiled this like list of organizations. They hired a terrorism research group that they thought were... um, terroristic and my um, humane myth demonstrations and also my nonprofit peace advocacy network um, were listed as terrorist groups on Mm -hmm. there. And, you know, one of the things was like, we did a vegan, um, a vegan block party where we, it was for like families and kids and we gave out balloons and terrorists and food. And Mm -hmm. it was in the research letter. They actually considered that a mild or a moderate terrorist risk. And that, it yeah. could be a breeding ground for harboring terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's amazing to me. Oh, don't you guys... Now, you're in Phil- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Don't you guys have the Liberty Bell there? We do. Yeah. You'd think that that would be a place where they would take this stuff a little more seriously. Well, uh, but, it's also, <laughs> That's my water uh, bottle, Ed. I have that t-shirt, actually. <laughs> yeah. I do, too. Activism is not terrorism. And actually, um, not only do we have the Liberty Bell, but we also have Independence Hall where the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence were um, created. So So I was like where every elementary school, you know, middle school goes to tour. Right. I mean, (laughs) I want to ask you what happened Uh to the girl that you were with and the other group at the other Whole Foods. Did they get arrested as well? 
They did not. Um, but, you know, I do see this as being a problem where vegans, you know, and not just vegans, any activists in general, the police tell you to do something and people think, you know, I just don't want to have any problems with the police. So they're going to tell me to move to the other side of the road. So I'll just go ahead and do it as a courtesy. Um, I think that that takes us 10 steps backwards mm -hmm. and, you know, is doing nothing but violating free speech for everyone. Yeah. I think yeah. that people really need to become informed and maybe that's why people aren't confident talking back to the police officers because they don't really know know what they are and aren't allowed to do. I think people should find out what they are and aren't allowed to do in their, you know, in their own districts and really push the police on it because nine times out of 10 with these kinds of things, the police have no idea what they're talking about. And you and may be you, mildly convenienced with an arrest, right. but I mean, <laughs> this is the only time I've been arrested. Um, but usually it doesn't result in an arrest. Um, even, you know, I've had arguments for 45 minutes with police officers and don't get arrested. Um, but I think the other important thing that people should, uh, you know, everyone should do if you're talking to the police, always videotape them, videotape everything. And if they tell you that you're not allowed to videotape them, they're lying mm -hmm. because that's not true. There's absolutely nowhere in the U.S. where it is against the law to videotape police officers. Yeah. Um, Dallas actually called me. She was really angry about that. Somebody was arrested for videotaping cops searching someone's car where was that new york or something yep um dallas called me and she was just pissed off about it um where a woman was arrested for videotaping cops searching a man's car and they arrested her she didn't have shoes on and she was on her own property yeah and they arrested she her. was like standing in her front doorway videotaping and then in a neighborhood where you know it's in a neighborhood where there's a history of police you know, intimidation and abuse. And she was trying to be like a good neighborhood watch person. And I mean, it wasn't an animal rights thing at all. It was, right. you know, maybe they did have reason to search this guy's car. They might have had a valid reason, but they were just so angry, you know, that she would dare to document what they're doing. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, it well, was, it was crazy to me. Um, but I mean, I guess as an activist too, it's, it's so irritating. And I know that this is the intention. I mean, it's like goes back to the AETA and, you know, the whole the intention. Can you explain to, what the, the AETA is? The Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. Oh, yes. Act, okay. Which we talked I've about. I've never heard it lettered before. AETA? Yeah. Oh, or ADA? I've never heard that called? before. Oh, okay. I've well, only heard it as Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act. Okay. Well, so Sorry. just. I didn't recognize the letters. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, because that's, that's the point. It's to distract, you know, it's to try to prevent us and distract us from getting from our original objective, our original goal, which is to reach the consumer, you know, mm -hmm. or to send a message to the public or whatever it is. Um, and so I always feel like, you know, whenever there's a demonstration involved, whether it be, you know, whether you're intending to keep everything legal or, you know, there's a conversation about at what, you know, how far you want to step over that line. It's so, it's, it happens so quickly that you can lose that original intent, you know, that original intention, because then you get all caught up with arguing with the police. If somebody does get arrested, then you, then you have to deal with the paperwork and the appeals, and then there's fundraising to help pay for legal fees. And then, you know, I'm on the board for support vegans in the prison system. And then, you know, so then somebody ends up in jail or prison and they can't get vegan food. And so then you've got a whole, mm -hmm. you know, you got to send out the alerts and make all the phone calls about that. And it's just such a pain in the ass because, the, you know, what happened to that original point 
like, you know, you just, and I know the anarchist community deals with this a lot as well. And, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just really sad to me. So I applaud you for standing up and, you know, demanding that they behave themselves essentially. Like, you know what? Follow the law. How about? I actually, this was kind of sad and sickening. Um, there was a show on, NPR not that long ago. I don't think I talked about this on the show. Um, and they were talking about police, or they were talking about a law going into effect where they were banning texting while driving and considering extending that to talking on the phone at all while you're driving. And I called because there was a representative, a state representative or some some legal person on this program. And I called and said, you know, there are certainly a lot of laws that people don't agree with. I personally don't agree with this law. I don't agree with the no texting law, which I'm sure people will hate me for. But if I'm Mm -hmm. at a stoplight, I am competent enough. And I know there are a lot of bad drivers, but people are bad drivers anyway. I am Mm -hmm. competent enough to look at my phone for two seconds and read a text message at a stoplight. Um, And I also don't agree with not being able to talk on your phone. I don't think that there's enough studies out there. I don't think it's more distracting, whatever. So I called and said, um, do I have the right to not allow a cop to look at my phone, to search my phone if he pulls me over and accuses me of this, to have a right to say no. And they didn't know the answer. They didn't know whether or not I had the right to refuse letting a cop search my phone. And this was some legal representative person. You'd think that if you're putting a law out there, they would know what the rules are, but they didn't know if I had the right to refuse. That's not surprising. I know it's not surprising, (laughs) but it it was pretty sick to me. We actually have pretty good experiences, I think, when when Dallas and I, mostly Dallas, but when Dallas and I do Petland demonstrations with the Animal Rights Coalition, um, they frequently call the police, and we have to have a permit for that. Oh, no, they don't. Well, they had. I mean, I've been no. at several of them, and the police came. Because I called. Oh, oh, okay. No, the, I think, okay. the, and that's the benefit that I see to having a relationship with the police. And having a permit, because the security comes out and tells us yeah. we have to leave the mall security. Se- you know, some security guy from the organization where you're there to protest or whatever, of course they want you to go away. But that's why I like to do all the paperwork. I didn't realize you were the one calling I the like police. to know exactly, you know, the name. I like to have the business cards. I like to have the notification. Because once that security guard comes out, I can say, you know what, let me call the police. And let, you know, why don't we just, you just hang out here with me and we'll wait for the police and they can help us, you know, sort this out because I know I'm in the right. And then the security guard always feels like an idiot because they have to stand there and be told that they got to leave me alone. And it's even better when it's 10, you know, 10 degrees below zero outside. Or 100 degrees outside. You know, or 100 degrees outside or whatever. And they usually go away after a couple minutes. Oh, they hate it. They hate it. You know, when it's like, oh, no, I'm going to call the police. You know, like I'm going to. I'm going to do it first. Right. Um, you know, and I wouldn't always, I mean, there. I've been at demos where that is not the case, but that's, I always get a kick out of that. You know, when it's, when it's me and I know that everything's cool and Sergeant, you know, whoever is somebody that I talk to every three months and knows that, oh yeah, Dallas that, it, you know, has been doing this for two years. Oh that, yeah, she's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, so that's, I mean, that's. That's even the benefit the, of getting a permit. That's the benefit of, you know, doing that, even though we do have a, a guy in this in the Twin Cities who insists that it should not that those uh, those 
requirements for public assembly or whatever are unconstitutional because you should have every right to, you know, public, you know, to, to, I guess, get together and protest. It says so in the, what do you have to say about that? You know what I'm. Well, can I say something really quick though? I want to say in, in defense of what we're doing, if we were just individuals doing this, I would agree with him, but because what we're doing this with the animal rights coalition I feel like there's almost like a layer of protection that we need to protect the Animal Rights Coalition and do everything legally so that they don't get in trouble. If we were just individuals doing it, I would feel differently that we don't need a permit. Yeah, well, I mean, and if they're, yeah, I guess I can I can understand that perspective. Okay, well, what do you have to say? So I'm on the board of a group called Peace Advocacy Network, and we do um, demonstrations against the horse-drawn carriages here in Philadelphia. Good. And um, when we first started those demonstrations, the square where the horses are is considered federal property because the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall is there. And it's under a different set of rules than the other side of the street, which is city property. And the first day we went there, we set up on the federal property. They made us try to tell us we had to move to the other side of the road because we needed to get a permit. And that actually is what the federal compendium said. But we said, no, we're not going to get a permit. We believe this is unconstitutional. We went there every week and every week we argued for hours with them. And every week we did not get a permit. They even went as far as videotaping us, um, taking Polaroid pictures of, of us with numbers in front of us to document who we were since we weren't getting a permit. Well, we ended up suing them in federal court, and now the the um, the federal compendium for that piece of property, because we resisted, they actually changed it. They changed the federal law, and it now says that you do not need to get a permit to be there. And that wouldn't have happened if we didn't fight that. Right. Oh, my God. I had no idea what a rock star you are. But that was your <laughs> but that's your personal organization that was behind that. Right. That's an organization that you are responsible for? Well, myself and like 10 other people. Okay, so you are in a position where you guys can collectively decide that you're willing to deal with a lawsuit or you're willing to to do that with where the Animal Rights Coalition, they would have to make that decision as well. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's awesome. I mean, that's so awesome. When... When they um, come up to us there and they say, what group are you affiliated with? Even though Peace Advocacy Network is the group filling it on, like putting it on, our answer, no matter who they ask, always is, we're not with a group. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Who the organizer is. We say there is no organizer. Yeah, Yeah. that's what you do. Individuals here expressing our First Amendment rights. Yeah. And I never allow them to tie me to the group or even to be responsible for anybody that's there except for me because yeah, they'll that's do that. very important very very good piece of information yeah i mean when i used to be part of um shack demos that was the protocol as well like you just don't <laughs> we're all individuals there is no leader you know that's like there were, i was of course always the one that agreed to be the one who spoke to the police because i don't mind that as much and I'm probably the least likely to get it have the conversation go in a direction where I would be arrested <laughs> but um yeah I mean it it that's uh, exactly what the way to go I think that's a super good takeaway for people that are listening if you're doing any sort of demo where you think that I mean well even I wouldn't have thought you'd been arrested at Whole Foods but um <laughs> that 
to say you're not with a group, you're expressing your First Amendment rights, and there's there's not an individual in charge. Yep. That's, That's really the way good. to go. Because yeah. otherwise, if there is somebody in charge, that person is going to be nailed with everybody else. They're mm-hmm. going to get in trouble for themselves and for everybody else. Yeah. Or they could, anyway. They could. And um, if, you're, if your listeners are interested in going to my YouTube page, it's veganyoutube.com. There's actually, like, at least 100 videos on there of me arguing <laughs> with the park <laughs> service and police officers. That would so, be good training. I, mm-hmm. I put them up there so people can look at those videos and see, like, you know, what I'm talking about, like how confrontational sometimes you need to get with the police officers just to make sure that your your rights are not being violated. And I yeah. think a lot of people are afraid to stand up because it's an authority figure mm-hmm. and you're afraid that if you stand up to the, to them that they might arrest you. And you know what? The sad part is they might arrest you. And, you know, some people are more in a position, I guess, to face arrest than other people. But I I do feel strongly that you need to really be aware of what your rights are, especially in your local municipality, what the how many people there you need to have in order to get a permit. And if you know you need 50 people before you have to get a permit and you only have five people and the police are telling you you need to get a permit, well, you should call them out on that and Mm -hmm. you should tell them, you know, this is you're wrong. That's not what it says. Um, and I the, back to the thing about moving to the other side of the road. That's always something they say, oh, well, you just move to the other side of the road. And I know people who move to the other side of the road and they think, oh, well, I'll look it up later and I'll figure it out later. But you know what? Like at the end of the day, once you move, it's 10 times harder to go back to that spot to where mm-hmm. you were. So I always err on the side of holding your ground where you are because, you know, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And the next time they're not going to ask you to move to the other side of the road, they're going to ask you to move two blocks away or something like that. So I think it's really important that people know what the laws are and really or stand for it. They'll build this free speech cage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've no. seen it happen in Trenton here. They actually had a free speech cage that was about 10 feet by 10 feet. And they said that it was for the Ringling Circus yep. and it was about maybe a half a mile away from the circus. Yeah. Anyone that stepped outside of the box would be arrested. And they actually did arrest seven people who tried to go outside of the box and hand out leaflets. And I oh think my that that's... Gosh. Did um, they challenge that? Do you know? Um, or you don't know? You know, I know that there were... The, they did go to court. Um, I'm unclear what exactly happened, but I do know that it's an ongoing issue there um, in yeah. Trent and other places. Yeah, where- I I would never go into the cage. You know, like the whole point is we're trying to get, we're trying to open the cages. That kind of makes <laughs> a mockery know? of free speech. Oh, exactly. Know. That's the point. You know, um, like that, that's ridiculous. I want to ask you a question about being arrested because I think um, you said that it, you could get arrested, which is absolutely true. Um, but... Was it scary? I mean, I think a lot of people, when you say some people are in a, in a position to be arrested or um, or maybe that's what you said. I mean, I, you know, if you're married or you have children or you have a job where, like, you're going to get fired if you miss a day or something, you know, how how scary was it getting arrested? I mean, for me, it wasn't that scary. But I think I should point out, you know, I got arrested this one time. Um, I have done hundreds of demos, and you, at almost every demo I do, 
I am in an argument with the police, um, you know, because they try to, they think they know what they're talking about and they don't. And I argue with them and have these long drawn out arguments. And in all those hundreds of times, one time I, you know, had the unfortunate experience of being faced with some police officer who was so uninformed that he just went rogue and arrested me like Mm -hmm. totally illegally. So I don't think that it happens enough that people should be afraid to stand up for what they're allowed to be doing under the first amendment. Um, But I mean, that being said, you do have to consider what's, you know, some people do have jobs where if you're arrested and someone finds out about it, that you could be fired. And I think that people have to make a personal decision. And it's unfortunate to say that, you know, I can't say that if you're following the law, you're not going to be arrested because it did happen to me one time. 99 times out of 100, it doesn't happen um, if you're following the law and if you know what you're talking about. But unfortunately, I can't promise people that you're not going to get some police officer like the one that I had that ultimately arrested me even though I was following the law Um, so I guess at the end of the day everybody kind of has to to make their own decision Um, and I was fortunate enough to have the ACLU represent me so I didn't have to you know put money out of pocket to hire counsel and things like that so you know they're all kind of things that you um, that you really have to think about I guess when you go out and do these things but I would hope that it wouldn't prevent anyone for standing up for the rights yeah Um, I wanted to make a comment about um, when you said going to the other side of the street, just go to the other side of the street. It drives me absolutely bonkers that people take police officers and medical professionals as people with such authority and and with so much knowledge. Like, they just trust Mm -hmm. them without questioning them. And it's like, so many police officers and so many doctors just are... They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They just don't. They're not these gods to not ever be questioned. It drives me bonkers. That's all. (laughs) That's your soapbox moment. That's it. I just had it. Thanks for letting me have that and not arresting me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, I had a question. Did I make you forget it? Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, well. Um, But yeah, I really, I'm going to have to go check out that YouTube channel because I, I would love to know a little bit more about actually how, and I think that's the kind of learner I am. I, I'm, I'm an audio learner. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I wanted to do a podcast actually. I thought it would be cool. Yeah. Um, because when you can hear somebody have a conversation or have an argument, that's easier for me to then say, Oh yeah, that's how you say that rather than reading. Oh, these are what my rights are. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I'd feel like I'd have to have a cheat sheet in my pocket, which actually is not a bad idea mm-hmm. to act, to have a copy of the statutes or whatever. Um, we have in the Twin Cities, I've got a couple of friends who were arrested protesting in Minneapolis. And um, they had done these demos dozens and dozens of times, just the two of them, outside of a first store. And they were arrested one time by some police officers who didn't know what they were doing. Um, And I think that they were charged with violating like the decibel limit because they were chanting and yelling and screaming and stuff. Um, I thought they had a a bullhorn. No, they did not have a bullhorn, which, I mean, because when you do need it, then you need a permit 
because you're going to and we, we've done those in downtown Minneapolis and it's amazing like people can hear you know 20 stories up they're looking out their office building windows when you've got a bullhorn it's pretty cool but these guys didn't have a bullhorn they'd just be like oh we got three hours let's go do a demo downtown um and they would do this all the time and they got arrested and um anyway they were they were sentenced they were given a sentence and we just couldn't even believe that you know that this that they were actually given a sentence for this you know unlawful arrest and the whole argument um the arguments that the prosecution had were about the decibel level which you you know i don't know what just screw like the human voice you know you can only get so loud it just that's why we have amplification right like that's that is why and then the other thing too is they were saying that um it was like a disorderly conduct and the the distinction there was you know if you're just kind of on the street and you're screaming profanity for no reason you know or you're you're what if you're screaming threats at people that's a completely different issue than if you are speaking a political message and so that those political um, political speech should be protected speech. So they appealed and they won in the Court of Appeals, which was nice. Um, but again, you know, that tied them up. And, it, and in the meantime, they weren't able to do any demonstrations at that location. They had a restraining order. And, of course, they went kind of overboard. And, you know, the, the city requested a restraining order for the location of where the demos were happening for the owner's home and the owner's mother's home. Like implying that these guys were going to go harm the owner's, you know, elderly mother somehow, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, they just they'll do anything they can to paint um, to paint free speech activity as terrorism, you know, like or or that that's the intention behind it. Like, hey, let me ask you this, too. Let me just ask your thoughts about this. Both of you. This came up recently. um I was having a conversation with somebody. I'm not going to say who, obviously. Um, but this person actually said that the animal rights movement needs to um, move beyond uh, the direct action that we've been doing into violence against people. And I talked about something that came up in Will Potter's book about the that guy who was having arsons committed in his name while he was... Or people were doing this in his name while he was incarcerated and he ended up getting a longer sentence um and i said this would you know violence against people for the sake of animals would be such so detrimental to the movement but he felt very very strongly that we need to start hurting people that are hurting animals and um you know i I said, well, you're never going to find anybody that's going to be willing to talk to you about that. If you're going to do that, it's all on you. But that's a very, very, very bad idea. And well, um, what do you guys think of that? Well, I I am open to lots of different um, approaches. I'm pro-direct action, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pro-direct action as well when it comes to, like, yeah, liberating animals or possible arson and things like that. Midwest Vegan Radio is not yeah. endorsing, but... Personally, we are not against direct action. But, you know, what I'm saying, um, I don't know. Ed, did you hear that Camille Marino was just arrested? No, and I didn't. And extradited to, she's got... Um, I don't know who that is. Camille Marino has a blog called The Negotiation is Over. And she, um, this is what I heard, because I'm on uh, the board for Support Vegans in the Prison System, and so we got word that she was arrested and, like, extradited to, to Detroit or something. So we're just on the heads up that we might need to go into action to help get her vegan food. 
But she's got a blog called um, The Negotiation is Over. And it's a very, aggra- I mean, it's full of aggressive rhetoric, which um, I, and I, I don't know the details about this, but I believe that she was arrested because she was um, given an order to remove the addresses of vivisectors, like vivisectors home addresses from her website. And she did not comply. And so I believe that that's why she was arrested. And, you know, we'll get more details as it comes out. But, um, you know, I mean, she is definitely somebody who who is putting this information out there. And it's very similar, you know, to like, I don't know, it just reminds me of the Shaq campaign that like it's uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable even talking about the subject because I feel like that could that could be dangerous. You know, like it could be dangerous. And I'm I don't feel like I'm in a position where. I would, you know, I'm I'm not one of those people who's in a position to, to be pulled, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be pulled out of my daily, daily activism um, to get all bogged up in legal stuff. Um, so I don't really want to go in that direction. But it is really, I mean, it, this stuff is happening and it happens all the time, and we just need to be aware of it. And again, but, I mean, Ryan, but keeps violence, saying, violence specifically towards people hasn't. It's been brought up on our show that. In all of the animal rights movement, people, at least as organizations, people aren't committing crimes and hurting individuals. There's been arson, like, property's been destroyed, vandalism has happened, but that's as far as oh, the animal guys rights movement. got hit in the head with a baseball bat, yeah. Oh, I was unaware yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh. It was in the UK, but yeah. Oh. I mean, okay. it's... Maybe what it was is talked not... about was in the US, but... Yeah, I mean, it. it's not common. Most people don't agree with it, but, you know... I don't, that's not what this show's about. <laughs> and I'd want to talk about that a little more before we actually Okay. Well, I was just... do that. <laughs> so, okay. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Do so, you have something you want to say about that or would you rather not? Um, it's fine if yeah, you rather I not. I think that violence justifies violence. And I think this is a movement of compassion. So I think, you know, to, to take action and engage in violence against people, um, I would say that that's not vegan. Well, that's that was kind of my feeling about. Now, I think it would be very different if it were a situation where you physically saw someone like beating a dog. Like I would probably go punch that person in the face. Well, um, you know, but so what's the difference between actually beating a dog and giving the order for millions of them to be? No, there is absolutely you know, like there, no difference. Yeah, but, but I am not in a lab where people are, and I'm I'm not trying to skate around things at all but i'm not in a lab i'm not witnessing you know it's not happening right in front of my face i don't necessarily know who these people are is there a difference no you're right there isn't no but i'm just saying in terms of in terms of acting on violence if i saw someone doing it right in front of my face i probably would like kick them or something um but and I think that the of, average person would be able to understand that. But in more, terms it would of hitting able- someone with a baseball bat, and I don't know what the circumstances around that were, but like if you were to just go to someone's house and physically hurt them, I don't know. That seems a little bit. It seems different, but not everything is black and white, and everything is black and white. So it's it's hard to really come to a hard and fast opinion. And also, if you thought that it was appropriate to engage in violence against people who harm animals, then you agree that it's appropriate to engage in violence against pretty much every single person that walks down the street. That's yeah. not vegan. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I was going to say too. It's like, <clears throat> you know, I, 
I get pretty angry. I've got a lot of anger. And that's why I really love to go spend hours hitting and kicking, you know, and martial arts. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I actually do a lot of, it's very cathartic. I do a lot of like imaginary Mm -hmm. beating on people who abuse, you know, and I need a shot of adrenaline. That's a great, well, I remember great thing to pull on. (laughs) When I trained with you, I was specifically saying someone's name over and over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) Who you dislike. But yeah, um, I mean, and I think. You know, I mean, I I think that there really needs to... I mean, this is something that obviously we could talk about for a long but time. Don't but don't you think that's speciesist, then? What? If you are committing violence against people that are hurting animals, is your violence against them not speciesist? I don't know. I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> they <laughs> Because you're not having compassion for people. Even if they're hurting animals. Uh, you're a, you're a Buddhist. I'm not. <laughs> I don't... No, I'm not into the pacifism thing at all. You know, I mean, there's that whole idea that, you know, one psychopath could murder an entire city of pacifists. You know, I mean, that's like if you're going to just kind of sit back and never and you're never going to, you know, intervene in some way. Well, I don't I don't want to be put into a box here. I'm not I'm not saying this is hard and fast what I believe or this is, you know, what I feel like this, these conversations don't come up that frequently for me, even being friends with you, they don't come up all that often. And so to have an opportunity to talk about them really allows people to think about what they think about these things, regardless of how they feel. That's true. So, you know, I haven't thought a lot about these. I haven't thought about this since we talked to Will Potter and I've never, up until this person brought it up, I've never thought about violence against other people that were hurting animals and so to have the opportunity to really think about how I feel about this hasn't like I haven't been challenged about it before yeah so well again it's just like you're you know you talked about saying nobody's going to be talking with you about this this is the kind of conversation that you probably just want to be careful about who you talk to about it (laughs) because it's not you know and things can be taken out of context I've said things that you know, or or written things that were taken out of context that and that always makes me mad. You know, mm-hmm. reporters will do that as well, and words get spun around, and so it's it, it's it's a good thing to think about. It's good to kind of reflect on this, and it's also just wise to be very I don't know conscientious about how you actually speak about it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, which the whole point of this episode was to talk about legal activism and how to, you know, oh, I make sure that, that you well, I mean, it was to talk to I Ed, it was just awesome. Ed on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to have Ed on and I want to talk about this, but you kind didn't of preface what by saying, Ryan, <clears throat> the point of the show is to talk about legal, legal activism. Oh. I was unaware of this, that you had an agenda. Oh, I've always got an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> So, in any event, it's. I'm so glad that you came on. Thank you so much, Ed. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you it very much. It was our much. most supreme pleasure. And, you know, thank you for being willing to stand out there and argue with police. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of person to be able to do that and be comfortable with it. And we definitely need more. Yeah, it's appreciated. That are absolutely able and willing to do that. And so, good I'm for you. Keep doing it. And yeah. I hope more people will. <laughs> well, yeah. we are going, we'll link your information to our blog. And because of, our blog is about what our show's about, so there will be people can find you. Um, do you accept donations um, for your activism? No. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, 
Thank you again. Peace Advocacy Network. Um, Eating Consciously is the podcast. And what? Vegan YouTube? VeganYouTube.com. Okay. And also, if people want to add me on Facebook, they can go to VeganFacebook.com. <laughs> Neat. Very cool. Okay, great. And well, you said you, you update your podcast about once a month? I aim to update it about once a month. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people that are looking for another abolitionist podcast can check you out? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And what, what kind of do you, is your podcast kind of similar to ours and, you know, interviews and yeah, just kind of. Usually there's like an interview and then me just ranting about things. for <laughs> Perfect. About- so just like our show. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. awesome. Okay. Well, right. kisses to Fern, your puppy. Yeah. I'll let and um, go eat some vegan pizza with your sweetie. Okay. I will. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Bye bye. Bye. So okay. should we talk about our product review? Yeah. Product review, product review. We're gonna do a product review. Yeah. <laughs> I love this one. You do? Oh, yeah, you do. Oh my god, I loved it. Where's it was the, really good. Where's the brochure? It's right Let here. me drool over it. All right. So the thing that Dallas loves so much is called cornucopia popcorn. I love popcorn. And as a vegan, I really, you know, aside from like kettle corn, we don't get to have many fun flavored popcorn. Not so much. Because when you go to the movie theater, if, even if you find a movie theater with vegan popcorn and vegan butter, their toppings are always cheese related or ranch or something yeah. with dairy. Yep. So, um, I don't know. I guess I just, I always thought, oh, I wish that was vegan, but you know. Now there is a place that makes really cool vegan-flavored popcorn. Really, really fun vegan flavors. So um, I'm bummed that they don't actually have a spot in the Twin Cities because, well, I guess I'd be there all the time. But (laughs) they do actually have a store, but they have an online store as well. Yeah. So I'm probably going to... I mean, popcorn, the good news is that it's really light, so it can't be that expensive to ship, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, But wouldn't it be fun? Maybe we'll have to take a road trip there. To their physical location to just like sit around and eat popcorn all day. Fun! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it's funny. I was poking around on their website too because I really wanted to order some, and they have different sizes of you know bags that you can get, and they've got a party bag that is eighty-five cups. Oh god, what does that even look (laughs) like? That's probably like as big as your little Christmas tree over there, Mm -hmm. Um, which is still up. (laughs) So they have so many awesome flavors. Dallas is eating some right now. Because that's how we roll. We like to eat on this show well, while we're talking. I'm trying talking. really hard not to make, not to make noise. But um, well, you eat. Let me talk about the different flavors they have. The brochure that they sent us, and I'm sure that this is the case on their website too, actually says which ones are vegan, which is so awesome. Yeah, that they just that they recognize there's a need for vegan flavored popcorn, and they tell us which ones are vegan. So they have a garlic and herb Madras curry. Uh, barbecue, veggie green corn, classic kettle corn, salted toffee. Um, those are the flavors that are vegan. And, oh, no, they also have Red Hots and Corn Fetty, which is a fruit flavor. Yeah, and we so tried that one. We had, we tried the Corn Fetty, the toffee, the green, veggie green corn, the Madras curry, the garlic and herb. Well, let's talk what about them slower. The only one that we 
didn't try was the barbecue, right? Probably. I don't know. I think that's the only vegan one we didn't try. Anyway, they have a whole bunch of flavors. So awesome. And they do the tins where you can get, um, like, an assort assortment in tins. They do a six-pack sampler. And they also sell them in a variety of sizes just on their own if you just want one kind. Yes. So, Dallas recommends <laughs> the garlic and herb. Really liked that one. I really like the toffee. Yeah, Ryan likes the sweet stuff. Yes. I thought the toffee was okay. Um, I like the curry one. Elliot, what did you think of the toffee? Uh, delicious. What did you think of the curry? Spicy. <laughs> spicy. Never had spicy popcorn before. It's oh, it's awesome. I used to put Tabasco sauce on my popcorn. Is that like my time. popcorn? I haven't tried that one yet. Because um, you guys should know from previous episodes that I actually put curry on my popcorn. And garlic, salt, and nutritional yeast. Yep. The um, veggie green corn, I think, is really good, too. It's a little bit spicy, which was unexpected. Mm. And um, Oh, that curry is good. The confetti. Mm. Um, really different. <laughs> the confetti is the one that's really colorful, and it'll catch your eye. Um, it's very sweet. It's very, very sweet, and all the different colors are different fruit flavors. And it wasn't my favorite. They were a little bit too artificially for me, but I can see a kid going nuts for that and loving it. So, and it really it is. It looks really awesome. Uh, it kind of reminded me of a popcorn ball. Yeah, it threw me off a little bit because <clears throat> I wasn't expecting it to be as sweet as it was. And I, I mean, also you should know from previous episodes, my sugar threshold, my threshold for sweetness is very high. Yeah. Um, the toffee know. one is that a salted toffee one? Is that mm-hmm. what that's called? Yep. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought that one was pretty good, but I really like the, you know, I like the savory ones. You do like the savory ones better. So, um, yeah, and you can shop online. Their website is cornucopiapopcorn.com. C-O-R-N-U-C-O-P-I-A, which of course we'll link. Yep. As always. So um, there's cornucopia popcorn and you can shop. If you go down their main page, it'll say shop now. Cause I was, I was looking all over cause I really wanted to buy some stuff and it was kind of hard for me to find it on their website. Um, maybe, maybe you'll just be, you'll have a connection with the site a little bit better than me, but I wasn't totally sure. So, um, yeah, I just thought this stuff is amazing and I really, I wish that it were available up here, you know, not but, having to order it online because I'd like to just drop in and pick it up. And I think that I would buy a lot of it if that it, would were, be that, so if it were easy, you know. And popcorn is obviously good for a long time, so it would be nice to kind of stock up on this and have it for when you go to the theater. Oh, yeah. Movie theater? Yeah, it would. That would be awesome. But um, in any event, yeah, it's fantastic. And where is their physical store located? I think it's in Texas. Isn't that what it says on this? Um, yeah, it's in Austin, Texas. So if we have any fans in Texas, man, oh, stop by. Maybe a uh, Texans exposing Petland would like to go and have a popcorn party after Ooh. after they close some Petland stores down that there. That sounds nice. Yeah, wouldn't it be awesome? So yeah, you guys got to try this stuff. It is awesome. Yeah. Did I, I say it. the Red Hot one was vegan? Yes, you did. I want to try the Red Hot one too. Yeah, I can see that being really good. Yeah. So all right, go Sweet get some spicy. popcorn. Yay. Yay. Okay. Green challenge? Green challenge. Dallas's favorite, always. 
the green challenge. It's time for the green challenge. Green challenge. Green challenge. There's no gloves. There's no swords. No white suits. Uh-uh. It's just green challenge. You're just doing the earth a solid. So this is a really easy one, and it's fun, too. Because cool. popcorn is kind of something, it's like a fun <clears throat> kid snack, you know? I don't know. I liked it when I was a kid. Is and the green challenge to eat popcorn? The green challenge is not to eat popcorn. Disappointing. But the green challenge is just as much fun as eating popcorn. Maybe. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's as much fun, but it is still fun. So, not something that I would have thought of on my own. And I was kind of excited to hear that this is a, actually a green thing to do. Using revolving doors when there's an option between using a revolving door and a door that opens and shuts like on a hinge. How come? Because when you're using a revolving door, it's sealed. So you're not allowing heat from the building to escape the building. Huh. It's all kept inside. And you are the one who's moving through that little chamber. Isn't that cool? No. And also, well, yeah, I guess. And then if you're, the revolving door is usually, well, they're better if you have to push them yourself. It's not so good if they're electric, but, you know, like doors that open. Now, I, I actually use a revolving door quite frequently. And it's funny because usually when there is a revolving door, like, and there's a door next to it, they always say use other door. Like they want you to use the revolving door. But were it really cold outside, and I use the revolving door frequently because my, my grandpa's in the hospital, so I visit him at the VA very frequently. Mm -hmm. And the revolving door, because wheelchairs need to fit through them, are very wide. And if it's very cold outside, when you walk in with the revolving door, isn't the air that came in from outside, once it rotates around and gets to the inside part where you're walking out, isn't it bringing that cold air in with you? I think that that does less damage than letting hot air out. Okay. Because you're my, right about that. I'm it's not, not a scientist. I don't know. Maybe Ron Jefferson can help with that. I don't know. He's he's the scientist. But well, I don't know. But in, intuitively, it seems to me like it would be more difficult to generate more hot air than it would be to simply warm up some cooler air yes. in a space that's already warm. Well, I think... Regardless of the point that I just made, it's definitely better at regulating a temperature, keeping a temperature what it is, than a normal door. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you have no control. There's no seal with a regular door. So you open the door, you're letting colder in, you're letting hot air out, and you're letting, you may be letting a lot out, depending on how putsy you are going through the door. <laughs> like me, I'm putsy. Putsy. Yeah. That's a good word. I like your green challenge. That's so, fun. I can do that. I do I know. that already. Yeah, it is fun. And it's a really good, you know. It's, and if, if doors are fun. Somebody is like, hey, ugh, you just, why are you, I don't know, being a pain in the butt, you have to go through a revolving door. There's something whimsical about it. It is very whimsical, yes. There's something just kind of silly about revolving doors that makes them fun. I know. So I thought that was really cool. So stuff, I like popcorn it. and revolving doors. Yep, I like it. That's kind of a light wrap up. To and our do think, civil liberties heavy. I think that <laughs> revolving door is is as fun as popcorn. You it's do not as fun as eating popcorn, but it's fun the same way that popcorn's fun. Yeah. Because popcorn is fun and also whimsical, especially if you get the corn fetty. Corn fetty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Especially if you get the fruit flavored corn fetty. Mm-hmm. 
It's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, we have kind of a weird green... It's not so much of a product review, but it's... It's, it's a giveaway. It's going to fit in our green challenge. It's going to be a product giveaway in the green challenge. And what we have for a giveaway is a really cute product called Lunch Skins by Three Green Moms. And so what they are is reusable cloth pouches for sandwiches and snacks. So you're using reusable bags for lunch instead of plastic bags that you're throwing away or hopefully recycling. Their website is called lunchskins.com and they are really super cute and they've got different um, designs and we've got a sandwich size one and a little chip size one or carrots to give away. And I believe they are dishwasher safe? Yes, because you wouldn't want to put food in the in your laundry probably, but I think you can put these in the dishwasher. So that's fun. They are cute. They're super cute. Yes. They're food safe. They're so, made out of a European fabric here in the US. How can people win them? What do we want to do? Um, hmm. Write to us suggesting green challenges. Write to us and tell us how many of our green challenges you've taken. Yeah, well, what you thought the coolest green challenge was, or if any of them impacted you in some way. Yeah. Inspired you. That's good. Write to us at MidwestVeganRadio at gmail.com and let us know if what you think the best green challenge was thus far. And how it's inspired or changed you. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd make us really happy, too. It would make us super happy. We like feedback. Write to us. Please write to us. We're so sad and lonely without you. All right. Shout outs. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. All right. So, um, let me see. I have a shout out just from me. From you special? Yeah. What's your shout out? My shout out is to Phil. Or Philly D. Philly D, what up? I know, because I I didn't get to take any... He, Phil is um, one of our yoga instructors. He's one of yes. the owners of Moksha Yoga Minneapolis. Yeah, and um, and he's vegan. Mm-hmm. And they have a vegan cafe at the, one of their Winnipeg studios. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, if... So I, I really liked his style of teaching, and I, I just really liked being with him like he could be really um inspirational Mm -hmm. and he is an inspirational speaker uh yeah he is inspirational speaker and just kind of brings the best out in people and he can be silly and he's just so much fun and not i mean i guess like a little bit brings a little bit of the unexpected Mm -hmm. to a yoga practice and um so i didn't really get to work with him much or you know take his classes because i would come in the mornings and he doesn't usually teach in the mornings but then he was there in the mornings because his partner was traveling and she wasn't there to teach the classes and so i got to take some classes with him and it was so awesome and then my pass ran out and i was like i miss yoga and i really especially miss it because i miss taking classes with phil well we hope to actually have phil and possibly ryan his wife and co-owner of Mocha Yoga Minneapolis on, as a guest at some point, to talk about veganism and yoga and Buddhism and 
and owning vegan businesses. Cool. Something related to those. We hope to have them on at some point. That would be cool. And um, he's he's definitely interested, so we just need to find a time to do that. Well, cool. When they're not traveling, which happens a lot because they own several studios. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Philly D. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out to the whole Moksha Yoga Minneapolis crew. Yeah. And Phil is amazing. So that's that's my shout out. I also want to shout out to Nena, who was teaching there recently, but... You know, I don't know that she listens to the show, so who knows? <laughs> she won't even. I don't know that Phil does either, but you know, yeah. that's okay. So, um, I don't know how to pronounce these. I don't know those. I don't know Nietzsche, Nietzsche, and Dosh. I think it's Nietzsche, Elliot, the philosopher. Yes, yes, Nietzsche, and Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Ooh, that's fun to say once you know how to do it. Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. What do they so, do? Uh, prob- probably also philosophy? Um, yeah, more of a writer, but yes. More what do they write about um, and philosophize about? Everything. Life, religion, death, people. It's okay. pretty broad. I mean, that- I can't really summarize it in a sentence or two. Wow, that's so deep. I can't believe how incredibly deep that was. <laughs> That was very sarcastic. It was very sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I would like to make a completely obscure shout-out reference to Tom Waits. Well, okay. <gasps> hey. I saw Tom Waits in El Paso. We had one to your mom yeah, last that was, episode. that was great. So, anyway. I like it. Those are some shout-outs. <gasps> um, and how about you, Elliot? I got nothing. No beers that you want to shout-out to? Nah, I think we're good. <laughs> no beers, no bears. Do you want to shout out to the veggie burger that I gave you today? Did you like that? Yeah, it was pretty good. All right. You also gave me some risotto and it had pears in it. And I don't know how I feel about pears, but I liked I it that you gave me risotto. I didn't make it. I, I know. You I didn't can't make take it. credit or blame for the pears. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But yeah, I don't. Do, do I you? take no responsibility. Yeah. How, and you have none? I have none. Wow. All right. So. I think that's pretty much all we have. The only last thing that I wanted to say is, one, um, Dallas, I think Dallas, recently put a poll on Facebook about how people are finding us, if it's through iTunes, if it's through a friend linking us on Facebook, or if they just happen to personally know us. And um, so if you found us on iTunes and don't know that we have a Facebook page, we sure do. And please like us on Facebook. The other thing, we haven't done this for a while, but we are um, asking, again, for donations for um, different events that we would like to be able to be at to promote us more. Again, there's always production costs, which when we started doing this, we didn't realize there were going to be. And we don't make any money off of doing this show, even though it costs us money out of pocket. So if you'd like to make a donation, $1, $5, $10, $4,000, you can do so by going to our website, stillvegan.org. And we have, uh, towards the top of the page, there's a PayPal link and you can make a donation to us and we will be forever grateful and love you the most we don't have midwestveganradio.org yet not yet i don't think elliot did elliot did you set that up yet not yet okay well then we need money for that yes okay cool So, so yeah it would be so awesome if you guys find value in this to give something to help make it help 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 us continue to do this if you like it. If you like what we do, mm-hmm. 
So that's it. We would really appreciate that. Yeah, we would. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Till next time, we'll be, uh, until we talk with you again, we will, I feel like Mr. Rogers. Until I see you later, we'll be thinking of you and coming up with cool ideas to talk with you about. I'll have more ideas for you. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll have, have things, things you'll want to talk about. I will too. So yeah, it's kind of that idea. Should we should we start closing with the Mr. Rogers theme song or the closing song no. instead of ours? No. <laughs> well, if you think we should, I don't know. I just had a, a Mr. Rogers moment, and I thought I'd try to convey that. But that it was kind of weird. Well. But... We've been here a long time. The sun is down. <laughs> all right. So all right. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.